Welcome to Mother Luck, an all-things momhood podcast with your host, Romy and Alex. As new moms ourselves, we are starting to understand the ups and downs of new motherhood. From sleepless nights to joyful milestones, we'll discuss all the things related to raising babies and how we're handling it. Join us as we share tips, tricks, vent sessions, and stories that will make you laugh, cry, and everything in between, because we're all surviving in this together. Hey, Mother Luck Mamas. Alex and I have a special guest today. We have Rachel Selman. She is a pelvic health PT, um, and we are so excited to have her. We're going to learn so much in this conversation. Um, So Rachel, will you introduce yourself? Tell us about your family and your hobbies. What's up, guys? My name is Rachel. I am a uh, physical therapist. I've been a physical therapist now for about seven years. So I got my undergrad degree in chemistry at Georgia Tech and then got my doctorate at Mercer in physical therapy. So I've been practicing now for about seven years. I have two little boys. I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old. And after the birth of my five-year-old, realized how crazy the pregnant postpartum experience was and was very frustrated by I guess the lack of guidance on exercise training and things like that. And so um, had some symptoms postpartum that I wish I hadn't had to deal with, um, just had no guidance. And so after that, I was like, somebody's got to fix this. Um, so I went and specialized in pelvic health. And now I almost exclusively work with, I say, pre-postnatal athletes. Um, we kind of describe an athlete as anyone who exercises on purpose. Um, and if you're uh-huh. chasing kids around, you're an athlete. So I think sometimes people think that this advice only applies if they're an elite athlete. And that's just not the case. If you're chasing your kids around on the playground, you've got strollers to push, you've got car seats to lift, you are an athlete. So that's most Mm -hmm. of what I work with now. I coach at Orange Theory. I just finished coaching. That's why we're in the Orange studio here. So I coach at Orange Theory and work with a lot of moms who are trying to stay active during pregnancy and get back to activity postpartum. Um, And I have my certification as a strength and conditioning coach, which gives me some of the kind of background in like strength training programs, performance-based programs that come out of rehab world a little bit. And I have a certification as a performance and sports scientist, which lets me get more into the research side of things. So part of what was lacking so much with the advice was that there was no research on anything. So we just published some research in October. Um, and that right now is the only kind of musculoskeletal guidelines for pregnant and postpartum women looking to continue training. Um, you did so that. And it helps. Yeah, <laughs> that took a while. There was a lot that went into that, but it's finally out there. So at least we hope that it can start the discussion and again, continue to kind of guide improving the experience for moms so that they don't have to go through the things that we've had to go through. Yep. Great. Yes. When you say that moms are athletes by nature, so true. Cause literally my arms are more toned now than when I was working out in the gym, just for picking up 18 pound baby all the time. Like, yes. And if you think about it, I mean, it's progressive weight training. Like your, your child's progressively getting bigger and mm-hmm. you're progressively continuing to pick them up until, I mean, I joke that I'll pick mine up till they're like 18 and, um, but they're getting heavier and heavier. <laughs> and so you are getting stronger and stronger. And it's always interesting yes. to me how they tell you to go home and just rest and, you know, not lift anything, but you're like, I've got a 10 pound baby. I've got this 20 pound car seat and you want to see me at the pediatrician in two days. And mm-hmm. how exactly am I supposed to, are you sending someone to my house to do all of these things? Right. Or, so I just think that lack of guidance really sets people up for failure and hope that we can do better on that end. So true. I love that. Yes. When I first brought me at home after like, a couple of weeks. I mean, she's very much still newborn. My shoulders were killing me. I mean, I had a. I went to see Eric at his clinic, my husband, um, so he could like 
work on my strength and like just exercises because I was in so much pain. I went from lifting just normal everyday lifestyle things to like up and down, up and down, breastfeeding, putting her in her crib, not putting in her like, OMG. Well, I was not prepared. No one talks about that. It completely changes. So like when you're lifting, you know, whether you're pregnant or whether you're not pregnant yet and you're just working on strength work, you might go to the gym, you know, for an hour and work on lifting. But when you're a mm -hmm. mom and you've got a newborn that you've got to tote around everywhere, it's not an hour of lifting. It's all day long, up and down, up and down. So the frequency at which you're doing that is huge. So it's another one of those things that like, it's not just core and pelvic floor, like so much of what we talk about is postural movements and strength training. And okay, when I'm nursing, like, what does that look like? And can I make this a realistic thing for a mom who has a lot on her plate? She doesn't have time to dig into the research. She doesn't have time to decide what's accurate, what's not, what's good information, what's not. Um, and so can we put it in a way that's actually digestible and actually able to be done by a mom who's in the weeds? Because let's be honest, especially those first like couple months, you're just in the weeds and you've got this. You're surviving. You don't understand. And that's another like gripe that I have. You listen to your body thing. It just doesn't work. I don't know this body. You know what I mean? I've never had this body before. So this newly postpartum body. I've got to figure that out. And now you're also telling me to just listen to it while I get back to exercise but not too soon, but not too late and not this way. And it just, it just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't set moms up for success. And then we're like, uh, you'll be fine. You'll figure it out. And then I get moms who are 30 years postpartum who are like, well, you know, this back pain started, you know, when I had my first kid and it's like, gosh, I hate that you've had to suffer with this for this yes. long. It's just really unfair. Yeah. So trying to address yeah. like all sides of that wellness aspect like yes it's physical health but i mean you guys know this like when you exercise your mental health is completely different too and you feel like you don't completely. have to give up that part of yourself when you become a mom mm -hmm. you can just still find ways to move that feel good but that actually help you improve and not feel like you're creating symptoms that maybe you didn't have before yes so true agreed it's like listen to your body but when when do you have the time to actually listen to your body right. as a new mom <laughs> You don't. And, right. and there's so many new symptoms that you're kind of like, is this more, like, especially if you're nursing and it's like, okay, well, I don't know what normal is. You know what I mean? Like, I, and again, I specialize in public health and I still have this, like, is this normal? And like, okay, I'm kind of heavy down there. Like that doesn't feel right. But I also did just push a human out of my body. And so it's trying to like navigate, like, is this normal? Is that normal? And you don't have anyone to talk to about it because you don't go see your provider for six weeks and it's like zero to six weeks, there's so much that happens in that time. I mean, think about how many times you see your provider after a surgery, any other surgery. You go back and get your stitches out. You go back and get looked at. You, they check your function and your blood work and all of that stuff. And for some reason, postpartum, it's just like you don't do, quote, anything for six weeks, which we all know is not true. And then suddenly mm -hmm. at six weeks, now you can do everything. Like if you want to go run a marathon, mm -hmm. you're technically cleared. And it's like that is not how we rehab any other injury but for some reason pregnancy postpartum which is this giant change to your body we do it that way and then we wonder why moms deal with all these symptoms that they don't love to talk about um and they just kind of suffer in silence and it's kind of just you know one of the quote unquote like oh that's the price you pay to be a mom and then we're all like hmm i don't know why moms are suffering that's <laughs> very strange it's like no, it's like funny not funny clear reasons yeah so hopefully, I, I think it is getting better. I do think that women are doing a better job advocating for themselves and for pelvic health PT. It's very standard in a lot of countries now. So um, Germany, I think UK, and I believe Australia now too, when you have a baby, you get 12 
public health PT visits. So kind of like, wow, you get PT. That's very standard and normal. Um, What I do now in my practice is I'll go to your house at two weeks so you don't have to leave the house. Um, I'll tote baby around while you do your movements. We'll take a look at your scar. Um, We don't do any internal work, of course, until six weeks just because everything's still healing. But I can still teach you like mobility work. We can get reconnected to the muscles, to the core, to the pelvic floor so that when you do get to six weeks postpartum, okay, now you are actually ready to do some of these things that you've been wanting to do instead of just waiting six weeks and letting things kind of like get stiff and painful and not fun while you're trying to navigate all this newness. There's just so much more that we could be doing, but if moms don't know to ask for it right now, it's not really standard for them to get it. So that's the unfortunate part. Yes. Yes. So before I had Mia, I went to public health PT and I didn't even know it was a thing until I was pregnant. I like, I knew that women at some point after having babies peed their pants. I just thought that was like something that happened until Eric, my husband said, that's not normal. We, we can prevent that. Like Go, Eric. now we can, like, I just learned so much and it was just one visit and she gave me handouts. She gave me like Instagram people to follow. She gave me all the tools. And then I was sold after that, after that. I said, oh, and then I had the coning of the, mm-hmm. of your belly. And that's when Eric said, you need to go see someone. Um, and then after having Mia, I went and saw Rachel and I went preventatively because I, I said, I do not, if I know that this does not have to be my normal life, I do not want to pee when I cough, laugh, or sneeze. Um, and I learned so much from Rachel. And I now I'm a huge advocate for pelvic health PT because it's major. <laughs> like I you just push out a human. Like I remember my first time working out, like out, like in the gym, like, I didn't know, I didn't know how to breathe anymore. Like it was so hard. I was embarrassed when I went to, I mean, I shouldn't have been, but I was like, Rachel, I'm, I'm sweating doing these like whole new body. It's not like my normal, but it's not your normal. Yes. And that's why it's so yeah. the advice that we get is because like, again, before I got pregnant, I was super active and all I heard from anyone was like, this is going to be so easy for you. Like you're going to bounce back. Like you're in such good shape. And as much as you're kind of like, okay, thank you. That's very nice. When you don't like feel better like that, you're like, did I do something wrong? Like, is my body Mm -hmm. not, is my body failing me? Like what's happening? We just don't respect the process at all. And it's just so much about like, how quickly can I get back? How quickly can I get back to doing things? Whereas Mm -hmm. again, every other injury and every other process from a musculoskeletal standpoint, there is a rehab timeline that we follow. We don't glorify people who have an ACL repair and try to go on a run at two weeks. We don't think- I was about to say the same thing. Like we think like, okay, that person is being an idiot. They should not be doing that. Their body is not ready. They're going to set themselves up for failure. But you see a mom who's five days postpartum out there on a jog and everyone's like, oh, look at her. She's so like athletic and what she must be so strong. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like we are just like set up for failure in that aspect. Um, and so it seems like well-intended information of like, hey, like you're going to bounce back and you should totally stay active, but we don't tell people how to stay active. So it's not like you're some fragile butterfly when you're pregnant, but you're also not invincible. Like there's a, there's mm-hmm. a kind of dimmer light there that we can shift between and you can only really do that if you have some guidance. You're really just not going to know what's safe, what's not. Um, and so hopefully you can find someone to work with. But a lot of times you do have to advocate for yourself that like, hey, I know this isn't normal. So I'm going to go find somebody. And most of my patients even now find me because a mom told them. So it's not that most of my ref- my um, patients come from 
doctor referrals, unfortunately. It's that people just talk to each other and then they end up in my office. And I think women specifically and moms are expected to like bounce back and like do everything all at once. Like we're kind of set up for failure, to be honest, with our culture. Um, so I think it's really important to take care of your body, listen to your body and take the time needed while still taking care and pouring into your body. I preach. <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything to say besides like, you're right. Like you hear so many horror stories, but they, they don't have to be. I know. I really recommend if I can get moms to understand what pelvic PT is and what we do, then if I have a patient, for example, who um, is pregnant, just found out she's pregnant and I can see her just once per trimester, then that is amazing. Like come in once per trimester because there's different things we can focus on depending on how far along you are in your pregnancy. So if I can just see you once per trimester so I can keep you active and you don't have questions about like what to do and you're feeling really good, then we set you up for success. And then usually around 36 weeks, I'll do a labor delivery prep visit. So we'll sit down. We'll talk about how this goes. Like this is what labor mm -hmm. delivery looks like not just from a medical perspective, because that's mm -hmm. all we ever hear is the medical side of things, like how baby actually gets here. But we don't talk about the muscles. Like how do the muscles actually work? What does pushing mm -hmm. feel like? What does a contraction feel like? What should I be looking for? And so we'll talk about like positions that you can give birth in. We'll talk about like, okay, breathing techniques, how you can mobilize your pelvic floor to prevent or decrease likelihood of tearing, um, what you should be looking for at your core, all kinds of different things that set you up for success. Um, because again, the way that we've been taught for so long is to bear down, push, hold your breath, birth on your back, all things that now we realize increase your likelihood of a muscle tear, which is just super unfortunate that that's, I mean, that's how I birthed both my kids. Um, mm -hmm. Because a lot of times too, I'll have partners come to that labor delivery prep visit because bottom line is labor delivery, like you don't feel like advocating for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you are so tired. And if someone tells you to just lay on your back and hold your breath and push, you're probably going to do that. So if you have a partner on board, who's willing to come to that visit and understand like, Hey, she really would, would like to try and birth on her side instead. And like, she's going to try and breathe through these contractions. Like if they can stick up for you a little bit, then that can help the process as well. Because the bottom line is, the guidelines that we give people right now, that six week clearance, we give everyone the same six week clearance. It doesn't matter if they had like a grade one tear, which just means like skin, or if they mm -hmm. had a grade four tear, which means like who had a backside, right? So yes. like, why <sighs> is the guidelines the same? You know what I mean? Like, why is everyone six weeks? Like this person clearly is- You're right. More often this person. And if it were any other muscle, we would treat it completely differently. But the bottom line is it just wasn't taught in a lot of training. Mm -hmm. Um, when our, a lot of our providers were in school, I think you will notice that like a lot of the younger providers that are fresh out of school, they mm -hmm. have more awareness of it because it's talked about more, but it just wasn't talked about. It's not that our, your providers like trying to be negligent. It's just that they weren't trained in it. So when you bring it up and you say, Hey, I think I could really benefit from pelvic PT. They're kind of like, why? <laughs> we never <laughs> learned about that. So you have to kind of ask. And so North Carolina, I don't have to have referrals. So I, people can just come straight oh, to me, which is great. Um, but depending on your state, you will have to ask for a referral, although most states do have some version of direct access. You can always call your local PT clinic and say, hey, do you guys have a pelvic PT? And if you do, do I have to have a referral to come see them? And they'll be able to answer that question. That is a lot of great information that I think people don't know. Yeah, it's and it's wild that we don't know it and we don't talk about it. But I hope that 
I, my husband jokes now that it's like my whole personality and he's not exactly wrong, but it makes me so angry. I'm like, why did no one tell me any of these things? And it's right. Trained on it and no one ta- does talk about it. Like even the stuff about like the symptoms that we have, like most of the time now, again, it's a mom who met another mom and they were at the trampoline park and she's joking about sneezing and like leaking on herself with jumping and then the mom's like wait a second you you don't have to do that i saw someone mm-hmm. you know last year and we got that fixed and um so it's going to come down to moms talking to other moms and educating other moms but that's where stuff like this comes in where like a podcast is like hey listen to that podcast and i deal with a lot of those things and i didn't know that you know <laughs> there was an option so the education piece of it is huge but it's just one day at a time you just start chipping away at it So pretty much a TLDR is you don't have to pee on yourself if you don't want to. That's right. (laughs) Right there. Now, you know. So what are some misconceptions that people have about PT, like specifically pelvic PT work? I think probably the biggest misconception is that all we do is Kegels. Um, I hear that one a lot. So Kegels are just a muscle contraction. So like, for example, a bicep curl, like contracting my bicep. It's just, it has a fancy name. So the Kegel is a muscle contraction of the pelvic floor. When the pelvic floor contracts, so when you do a Kegel, it closes. So it closes those openings so that things cannot get out. So for example, if you have urine in your bladder and you cough, laugh, sneeze, and your muscles cannot close to prevent that from coming out, then you get leaking. So a Kegel closes those openings. The problem with just telling women to do Kegels is that One, most women, if you just give them instruction for a verbal Kegel, they're doing them wrong. So we're never taught to do a Kegel. And then on top of that, now I've got these muscles that are probably a little dysfunctional because I just pushed a human out of them. And so I'm trying to learn something totally new on a muscle that's dysfunctional, which is very challenging. Um, If I had never squeezed my quad muscle before and I had ACL repair and they said, hey, squeeze your quad muscle, I'd be like, what are you asking me to do? It becomes even more complex when it's a muscle we can't see. So most women, if we just tell them to do a Kegel, they're doing it wrong. The other aspect of that is that there's a billion different kinds of Kegels. So Kegels work like on a dimmer light. So there's a zero, which would mean like I'm not contracting at all. 10 would be I'm contracting at my maximal level. Like if I'm just out and about, I don't need repeated 10s. The same way, again, if I were to squeeze my fist and this is a 10 where I'm squeezing as hard as I can and a zero is a fully open fist, I need to be able to use all of my fist depending on what how big the object is that I'm picking up. So with a Kegel, it's not just can you Kegel and can you not Kegel. It's There's a huge spectrum that I need to be able to follow. Most of the patients that I work with, because most of my patients are just super active, they actually are great at doing a Kegel. They're not great at doing, I call it a reverse Kegel. So like relaxing the pelvic floor, they're walking around all day in a little bit of a Kegel. So they're constantly squeezing. So again, if we go back to the fist, like if I walk around with my hand in a fist all day, and then you finally like get me to relax, I finally pry my fingers open and you test my grip strength, it's gonna be really bad. Like I'm not gonna have any strength. I'm gonna be really weak because I've been like this all day long. So most of the patients that I work with, when they come in, they actually have overactive pelvic floors that are constantly in a Kegel. And then when they cough, laugh, sneeze, for example, they don't have any reserves. Like there's nowhere left to go. So if I'm in a fist and someone asks me to make a fist, there's no movement there. The same thing happens at the pelvic floor. If I'm already in a Kegel and now I need a Kegel because I coughed, there's nowhere else to go. So I get leaking associated with that. So I think the biggest misconception is like, it's just Kegels. 
In fact, for most of my patients, at least, it's actually the opposite. Like when I say reverse Kegel, they're like, what the heck are you talking about? I've never talked about a reverse Kegel. That means nothing to me. Never heard it um, until yeah. right now. So Kegels are what we just tell people all the time. And you guys know from your pregnancy apps, it'll tell you at the end of pregnancy, Kegel, Kegel, Kegel. When you're about to have your baby, you don't need a Kegel. You need a reverse Kegel. Because remember, Kegels close things, including vaginal opening. So if we close vaginal opening, but we're trying to push a baby out, of the vaginal opening, and I don't know how to open those muscles, I don't know how to relax those muscles, then guess what? When I'm pushing, my uterus is squeezing, trying to push baby out, and my pelvic floor muscles are like, nope, like holding baby in like a brick wall, that's not helpful. So most of the time in third trimester, let's work on reverse Kegel, relax the muscles, can I coordinate that with my breathing? Um, and then can I take that into function postpartum? So I think biggest misconception is that it's just Kegels. It's so much more than that. So I have a question. I want to rewind a little bit. You said yeah. you had issues when you had your first son. Mm-hmm. How did you recover? Did you find a, a PT or did you have to do your own research to treat yourself? Yeah. So what happened was my quote unquote clearance happened too quickly. So I got the general advice, which we were talking about of like, hey, just listen to your body, all that good stuff. I think we all know the first two weeks are kind of survival mode, right? Um, like I'm not walking well, I'm not moving well. But about week three, I'm like, my stitches feel like they're dissolved a little bit. I'm going on more walks. Like I'm starting to feel a little more normal. And to me, like listening to my body and taking it easy was like, I would love to go on a little 10 minute jog. Like that didn't seem like a big deal to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, this is what I would like to do. My doctor didn't tell me not to. In fact, they just told me to kind of ease back into it. A 10 minute jog was easing back into it. Still to this day, I'm like, I didn't do anything that I wasn't supposed to do based on my Mm -hmm. medical advice. So I went on the jog and I actually felt great on the jog, which is another reason that I like tell people you can't just quote, listen to your body because I felt great. My like dopamine, like everything is like, whoo, this is awesome. We haven't done this in so long and you feel different and you don't have this giant belly in front of you anymore. And Uh so- I felt really good on the run. And then what happened was I came back and I was like, I am 99% sure my organs are falling out of my body. (laughs) Um, So I just was so uncomfortable. There was nothing like visible. There was nothing that I like, no major, major symptoms, but I was like, something's just not right. Something doesn't feel good. Now looking back, it's very obvious. Like part of the job of the pelvic floor is to hold the organs up. And I just went and bounded on this trampoline that was not healed yet. And so now okay. my organs are like kind of like pushing down on my muscles. And of course that feels uncomfortable and doesn't feel right or normal. So the first thing I did probably like anyone else is Googled it, um, which mm-hmm. do not recommend end up down this horrible rabbit hole about, I mean, I saw nothing on Google about physical therapy, nothing. Um, it was mostly talking about like a, bladder tack or bladder mesh you'll hear about where they go in there and they put a little mesh a metal mesh and lift the organs off the muscles. But you can't do that until you are done having kids. And it was basically like, there's no other solution. That's Sounds terrible. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I had a kid three weeks ago and you're telling me that I basically need surgery. There's no other options. And I can't have surgery till I'm done having kids, which I wasn't at that time. And so I guess I just can't run now for like, I don't know, 10 years. Like how long is it going to be before I'm ready to do this? And so, you know, your hormones are still very whack at three weeks postpartum. And now I'm like, I can't do this anymore because I don't feel good. And I was like down this horrible, horrible spiral. 
And what happened was I have a friend from PT school. She's actually one of my bridesmaids. She's one of my like best friends. And she did, she was a pelvic floor PT. I was just one of those people who was like, I don't need that. I'm very active. I know what I'm doing. I'm a physical therapist. Why would I need pelvic floor PT? I don't need it. And that was the first time that I was like, maybe I should like ask her what she thinks. She was like, first of all, you should not have gone on a run. <laughs> and, and this is what's happening and that you will recover. Here's some things to do, et cetera. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. So she talked me off the cliff and I got significantly better over the course of a couple of weeks. And I was like, mind blown that again, if I had not had a person who was literally one of my bridesmaids as a pelvic PT, I would have been in that spiral rabbit hole of I've got to have surgery. There's no other options because my doctor did not mention it. The internet did not mention it. It did not talk about it. And I actually remember going back to my six week checkup and I was still having some symptoms at six weeks postpartum because it's only three weeks later. Um, but they were much better, but I still was like, I'm going to mention it. And at that time, and now I know like that is called prolapse, that heaviness, that bulging pressure, okay. et cetera. I didn't want to go in there and step on toes and be like, I'm experiencing prolapse. So you know how it is. You go in there as a provider and you're kind of like, I'm going to list off the symptoms I'm having. And I expect her to kind of be like, oh, that's prolapse. Here's some options. So I list off all the symptoms and she's just kind of like, yeah, you're six weeks postpartum, like welcome to it kind of thing. And I just remember being so bummed out because I'm like, I know I've already talked to a public PT who is like, we can probably fix this. Like, don't stress out about it. But again, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't have her as like a literal best friend, like how thankful I mm -hmm. am that I got lucky that my best friend was a public PT. Um, and then that's kind of that moment where I was like, why is this not more readily available for people? And we lived in Columbus at the time. And so it was like, there wasn't really anyone there that did it. And so it was like, okay, well, I'm going to just go do it myself and offer it to women here. You said, I don't see the change and I'm about to become the change. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. I say all the time though, it was a very selfish um, reason, <laughs> but now it's, it's worked out because it was just very much not like, I don't this happen again. I want kids later. Like, I need to know better for the next go around. So it started very mm -hmm. selfish, but it's obviously turned into something a little bit bigger than that. So it's now my like mental rehab to help other people have a better experience and to know like, man, this mm -hmm. is what I wish I could have had access to when I was pregnant with my first. Hey, fellow mother-like mamas and dads who are brave enough to listen in. Just wanted to pop in and remind you that if you're enjoying our content, make sure you hit the follow button on our podcast about all things momhood. Honestly, it's like being part of an exclusive club, but without the secret handshakes. And while you're at it, make sure to rate and review our podcast to help others find us and grow our community. So let's say I'm a new mom and I have never heard of pelvic health PT. What's your pitch? <laughs> so I would just say like my job as a pelvic health PT is the same as an orthopedic mm -hmm. PT. So the same way that you go to rehab for any other injury, pregnancy postpartum is a huge change to your body and your muscles, especially the core and the pelvic floor. So my job as a pelvic PT is to rehab those muscles through strength, endurance, coordination, et cetera, the same way you do any other body part. The only difference is a lot of these muscles are internal, so we can't see them. And because you can't see them, there's little specific nuances and tips and tricks that you kind of need from a specialist so that you know when you're mm -hmm. doing things correctly. But these muscles work with you every day, so you need them on board. So we need to get them on board so when you bend, lift, twist, cough, laugh, sneeze, they work to your advantage instead of against you. 
I also always, if I have to do something like that, where a mom's just kind of like, I'm a little hesitant because that just doesn't sound fun to me. Mm -hmm. The exercises from the outside look just like all your other exercises. I can Mm -hmm. have you doing pelvic PT out in a gym and no one has to know you're doing pelvic PT because you're doing squats, you're doing lunges, you're doing things that are functional and make sense for you. If I only Mm -hmm. have you do Kegels laying on your back on a table, that is only going to translate to you doing Kegels on your back on a table. That's not functional as a mom. And so my mm-hmm. job is like, by the time you discharge, we're doing a workout. Like we're jumping on the trampoline. We're doing lunges. We're doing step ups. Like if I don't bridge that gap for you, then I did not do my job. And I always will clarify, mm-hmm. like an internal exam is used to basically be as, um, accurate as possible on terms of like strength, coordination, et cetera, but it's not required. So if like the internal exam is something that's a barrier for someone in terms of coming to PT, we can do an external assessment or I don't have to touch down there at all. I can just give you a lot of cues and tips and tricks and use other muscles to our advantage to make sure we're doing things correctly. So if that is like a, I do not want to do that, that sounds terrible. We don't have to do that. Do you feel like one day pelvic health PT is going to be required or like part of the treatment plan or do you want it to be? I mean, I know I would love if everyone did. I hope that it will be standard. Um, And I do hope that there are different components to it. So I say all the time, like I would love to just walk around the labor delivery unit and like help women understand what their body's going through in that moment in time, Mm -hmm. whether it's like, Hey, I'm, you know, in that transitional period. Okay. What position can we get in for the muscles that really help serve them is maybe at the top of the pelvis. Can I open the top of the pelvis? Because to open the top of the pelvis is different than opening the bottom of the pelvis. So if baby's mm-hmm. sitting really high, what positions could I put you in that help baby settle down? And then when baby settles down and is ready to start pushing, what position can I put you in that opens the bottom of the pelvis? And then let's say you just had a baby. Like, can I come to your room just like I would after a knee replacement and show you like, here's how you get out of bed without straining. Here's how you can take care of your incisional site. Here's all these things that you can do to set yourself up for success. Here's a great way to hold the car seat. That's not going to strain your back. Um, that kind of stuff is just so overlooked. So I hope that it's Mm -hmm. standardized, but I hope that it's standardized in a couple different ways. Like, yes, it's normal to get preventative and proactive prenatal care. Yes, it's normal and okay to get immediate care, like before you even leave the hospital. And then yes, it's normal to get care in your home for a couple of weeks. And then yes, it's normal that I also want to get you back to performance. Like I just don't, I don't want to get you back to where you can brush your hair and lift the groceries. And if you want to go on a run, I want you to get back to going on a run. And if I, as a Mm -hmm. provider, discharge you before that point, I have not done my job. Yeah. So two things, I would have loved a pelvic floor PT to come like right after I had the baby, Um, much like a lactation consultant comes right after you have a baby, if this makes sense. Um, but second, like what would pelvic floor PT look like for a mom who had like a C-section? It, like, is that different and the same? Yeah. So it's definitely different. Your pelvic floor still, I have a lot of patients who think that because they have a C-section that their pelvic floor got quote unquote spared. The pelvic floor does a lot of work during pregnancy. Again, it holds baby up. And so even if you have a C-section, your pelvic floor still is typically a little dysfunctional. Um, so usually pelvic core PT after C-section will look a little bit different because there's different focus on kind of that healing through that incisional site. Um, lots of focus on scar mobilization. So can we move the scar around again, just like you would with any other scar, like as it heals, can I make sure it's not super sensitive? You have so many moms who are seven, eight years postpartum and still can't wear jeans because their incisional site's really sensitive and it rubs Mm. on it. Or they'll say, I have that C-section shelf where they feel like the skin is pulled back. 
and the skin sits on top of that incisional site and that scar tissue is tied down. So we can do cupping to kind of loosen that up. We can teach wow, I didn't uh, know all that. kinds of like techniques in those early, early phases that can prevent that from happening in the first place. There are some basics that do stay the same, mobility, low back work. And again, I know that we tell moms to go home and not lift after a C-section, but that's just not realistic. So can I teach you to do it in a way that doesn't strain your core as much? The C-section recovery process is a little bit longer. Um, usually with C-section, I'll take my kind of normal guidelines and maybe add two to four weeks um, just because it is a major abdominal surgery. Come in, show you how to move, show you to hold your baby, show you how to lift, bend, twist so you're not pushing on that site. Do some things that prevent this from getting stuck and tied down. I take my cups, like we'll do cupping, like we'll do all kinds of stuff in those first couple of visits of like, let's just get you feeling as good as you can. Cause you got a lot going on. The last thing you need to be doing is trying to put together an exercise. I love that. I think it's super helpful to hear. Cause I feel like I had a natural birth, but if I had a C-section, like, well, maybe I don't need as much mm -hmm. PT because literally they just cut me open, you know, like so I think that's going to be very beneficial for moms to hear. There's so many layers, so many layers of the skin, so many layers of the core, um, but your core is the foundation of everything. And you really notice that, especially at the end of pregnancy, when you're like, gosh, I can't even get out of bed. You know, I can't sit up to get out of bed. And so imagine like that huge incisional side. Again, it's a major surgery. So when that happens and then you can't move the way you want to move, that is, I mean, that compounds on a squat. It compounds in a lunge. It compounds when you're running. Like the core is so, so, so important. And so... Sometimes, especially my C-section moms who maybe attempted a vaginal delivery first and couldn't have one for whatever reason. So they did a lot of pushing. Um, so they got a lot of strain on their pelvic floor and then ended up with a C-section for whatever reason. Um, those situations can be hard in both directions. And then again, I feel like moms will beat themselves up about C-sections when that's just not, they happen and you have to do what's best for you and for baby. And like, that's just the way that it goes sometimes. And so then they're beating themselves up because they wanted this, this vaginal water birth and it just didn't happen that way. So they're beating themselves up on that. And then I have a lot of patients who are like very emotionally tied to that scar. Like anytime you're even near the scar, they're already kind of on edge because that carries a lot of trauma for them. And that's a whole different realm that we really, again, don't discuss is like, if labor doesn't go the way that I want it to go, that's a hard situation sometimes to deal with. And so women need that support of like, I imagined this again, beautiful, perfect water birth and it didn't happen for whatever reason. It doesn't mean you did anything wrong. Your body did not fail you, um, but we don't support moms enough in that. And then they carry a lot of that with them and thinking that it's my fault that this ended this way. Um, so sometimes we have to tease that out when we're doing some of the rehab process because it can create pain. I mean, emotions can create pain. That's just the reality of it. So it all goes hand in hand. And until you address it from all perspectives, I mean, I think mother's mental health is like a totally different <laughs> podcast topic for a different day. It is just so neglected. So you neglect the mental health, you neglect the physical health. And then again, wonder why moms are struggling and suffering through this. So I have a follow-up question. So um, if a person doesn't necessarily have access to physical therapy, new mom, what are like three things that you would advise them that they could maybe do at home to either prepare or after baby? So three things. Number one is telehealth. Like telehealth is a great option now. And I know that it wasn't a big deal before COVID. So I do telehealth visits now and there's tons of PTs who do. So if you don't have one near you, doing like a prenatal prep visit with a pelvic health PT, I can tell you everything you need to know 
like this. Now I can't do an exam on you necessarily, right? But my labor delivery prep visits are just education. Like I usually don't really get my hands on the patient during those. So if you have a patient who's like, I just want an hour of what to expect, what positions can I give birth in, what would be good for my muscles, all that kind of stuff, that's telehealth is an amazing resource. The other thing is now the research that we published in October, um, I'm obviously biased, but we think it's great research. And it had kind of like step-by-step -step guidelines to follow postpartum. The problem with the research is, again, let's be honest, it's research, it's peer reviewed, it's very nitty gritty, very medical driven, like not the easiest thing in the world to read. So what we did was we took the exercises from that protocol and we put them into an app. So we have an app now, it's called Stirrups to Sit-Ups. Um, you download it through the Fitter app. So it's F-I-T-R, it's Fitter Client. You download that and then you can search for Stirrups to Sit-Ups and our program is within that Fitter app. You can also go to stirrupsandsitups.com and just enter your email. We'll send it to you that way as well. But it literally walks you through, it starts at day zero. So like the first day you have your baby, if you want to know kind of what you should be working on, then it'll tell you like, here's how you can get out of bed. Here's how you can hold baby. Here's how you can do things that set you up for success. We don't have you doing jumping jacks day one. That's not the plan. But every single day, you've got 20-ish minutes of exercise, really low equipment. You can do them at home with your baby. So there are things that you can be doing even in those first six weeks every single day to get yourself moving in the right direction. Big misconception I see with that is if I have a patient who's like six months postpartum and has not done any rehab and it's like, I don't want to start with that program because I don't want to, you know, I had my baby six months ago and that starts at day zero. You still got to start at day zero. We have to start with the foundational work first. So I have patients, no matter how far postpartum they are, if they have not done foundational work and they don't have access to a PT for an individual exam, that's where the app can come in. And then I think number three would just be to have support. I know that sounds like so generic and so basic, but I mean, you know how big of a deal it is to have such a village around you in that time um, and make sure that everyone who's in your village really understands what you're actually looking for. Like, are you someone who, when they come over, do you want them to hold the baby while you do some things? Or would you rather you hold the baby and they do some things for you? Like, can you clean up my kitchen and I'm just going to hold baby? Or like for me, most of the time I was like, I am like, I just need a break from baby holding. Can you hold the baby? I would love to just go kind of sit and fold some laundry. That actually sounds great to me. <laughs> so making sure that you communicate those things, because I think a lot of that can get lost in translation in those early stages. Um, and if you can say like, hey, like, it's really important to me that I go to my PT visit on this day. Could you come hold the baby so that I don't have to worry about taking them with me? That's really important. But remembering like, mom, this is new to you too. Take care of your moms in that. Like get them a gift card to pelvic health PT, get them a gift card to have someone come clean their house. Like before they have the baby, don't forget that. Like, yes, we're bringing a new baby in the world. And yes, the baby deserves tons of focus, but like you've got a mom who's new too, and is learning all of this. Preach a new body and navigating crazy hormones and like really needs that support during that time. Mm -hmm. So if you can set yourself up in your village for success of what you want and not have to like try to navigate those boundaries after the fact, because again, you just don't have the energy a lot of times to do that because it's hard right. to set those boundaries. Or even saying like, I don't know how I'm going to feel. So before you come over and assume all the things, ask me after the baby or like before yeah. you're on the way. And I'll tell you, because you don't know, or, you don't know what it's going to be like after. 
yeah, that's not selfish. I think a lot of moms think like, mm -hmm. oh, well, I don't want to keep them from their grandbaby or I don't want to keep mm -hmm. them. You are navigating a really tough time and you need your village to be working with you. And anyone mm -hmm. in that village who doesn't respect that, I think you probably can say is not actually in that village. So I know mm -hmm. there's a lot of feelings that come with new babies and there's a lot of like new family dynamics to navigate. But you will be so thankful if you go ahead and lay down like this is what I'm expecting. If that mm -hmm. changes, I will let you know. And doing yes. that before you're in that moment because you are not going to have the energy to do it. And then it just builds up resentment. That doesn't have anything yeah. to do with the rehab process, but it does have to do with the space, like making space for yourself. Yes. Postpartum period. And make sure you tell your partner too because they they need to have the same ideas you do so they're not telling you know their mom or their sister or their friend that they can come over when you're like no yes absolutely yeah. not right now be able to add <laughs> again in the in yeah. the delivery room as well like when it, when someone's coming in and telling you to hold your breath and push and you're you know you know that's not what you wanted to do but you're just tired your partner needs to be able to say like hey we she went and saw so and so and they kind of talked about trying this first and this is what we're going to try um, now, of course, if you change your mind and you decide you want to hold your breath and push, then go for it. Um, but you've got to have somebody kind of on your team, regardless of who that is. You need someone working with you. Mm -hmm. It is not strong and admirable, honorable to do it all yourself. That's not what we were meant to do. So saying like, I'm a control freak, but I have to pass things off in that period. Um, otherwise, you just you can't do it and you can't put that pressure on yourself. Otherwise, you're just going to beat yourself up further. I just know that whenever I have number two, I'm going to go back to public health PT because I feel like I've already gotten kind of forgotten some things. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be a nice refresher. Yeah, absolutely. I always recommend it. I mean, and there's no, again, no problem in doing it mm -hmm. preventatively either. Um, so no harm in that. And I always tell patients, like when you have a baby, I mean, the bottom line is it takes a solid amount of time to recover. I really think it takes about two years for you to fully, fully, fully recover. Um, and so if you have another baby before that two year mark, it's not that you weren't doing fine. It's just that you weren't a hundred percent. So just knowing that like, there's a lot of time between kids, but like I mean, it, this, the recovery process is just slower than we've given it credit for. Well, that, so we have a question that we're going to ask all of our guest speakers. It's more of like a fun, lighthearted question. What is a mom moment that you had recently or just one that you can identify that made you go mother luck? <laughs> I think I have one of these like every day. I'll talk about one I had yesterday, actually. So my dad was in town for two days and got the boys some fish. So went to the pet store and got some fish. And my five-year-old has this little container outside that he keeps bugs in, you know, just for fun. And so he starts telling me this story about how he has captured some spiders, which he has. There's these spiders crawling around in this little container and he has put them in the sun with a top on because his object is to kill them to fry them with the sun then he wants to take them with his hands and grind them into a little powder so that he can feed them to the fish just one of those moments where you're like is this what my life is like just the conversations that you're having you're like is this my life now like we're talking about and i'm just like nodding and it's interesting because it doesn't even hit me until later that I'm like, that's kind of a weird conversation. You get so used to just talking about stuff like this and like spiders and, bugs <laughs> and dinosaurs. And you're kind of like, oh, yeah, of course, you're just going to grind little spiders up into a powder. And feed them to your <laughs> that moment of like, this is who I am now. Like, this is <laughs> this is my reality. I mean, honestly, that's pretty smart for a kid to think of. Like, I would have never. And he knows that fish eat 
bugs, right? So in his mind, he just was helping feed his fish. But you're just like, this this is who I am. This is this is where we're at. This is life now. <laughs> that is hilarious. That's kind of scary. Okay, I listen to a lot of true crime. Yeah, Stop. Stars. <laughs> it's just bugs. Actually, most other things like there'll be things like we because we live in Columbus. Those big um, grasshoppers, they're like locusts, the mm-hmm. black ones that are ginormous. I would always try to kill them because they eat our plants. And he was so protective of them. He did not mm. want them to kill them. Spiders we're fine with though. We can okay. we can yeah. kill them. Good. Not worried anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's very sweet outside of the spider comment. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, I don't think we have any other questions, Romy. Do you have anything? No. This is super, super insightful Thank and helpful. You so much. I wish I had moved just just moved to Augusta, so I didn't know anybody. I didn't go to a pelvic floor PT. Regret it. Really wish I would have. So now, whenever pregnancy number two happens, I'll be make sure to phone you or find somebody in my area. That's all you can do is just spread the word. Again, one person at a time. We'll make sure to include your information in the show notes below so people can find you if they need to um, and link your research. Thank you for tuning into Motherluck and all things momhood podcast. Remember, no matter how challenging it may seem, you're doing an amazing job as a parent. And whatever's working for you and your baby is what's right. If you have any questions or topics you'd like for us to discuss in future episodes, reach out to us on our social media channels listed in the show notes below. Until next time, keep rocking motherhood and cherishing every moment with your little ones. This is Romy and Alex signing off.